Disclaimer, what I'm about to share with you is real life personal accounts that I've experienced myself, what I've seen, what I've heard, and what I know. This is from my earlier music career from the time span of like 1993 till about 2008. Now here's your fair warning, explicit adult content, language, vulgarity, and some of this might trigger you. So if this is not for you, skip this one and I'll meet you at the next. Welcome to my channel. Hey, what's up? It's your girl, Michelle Bell. Welcome back to my channel, Chisme in Beer, where anything goes. Guess what, y'all? Before we start this episode, I wanted to let you guys know that we have now approached season two of Chisme and Beer. Woo! Yes, baby. The way we're going to be doing things is it's going to be 10 episodes per season. Nice, right? Just keep it simple. So te technically, this is episode 11, season two. So thank you guys for being here with me, for supporting me. I did not think that this podcast was going to last this long. Why? I don't know. But I'm, I'm happy that it did and that it worked out. And so I hope that it lasts a very long time and that we can build up more followers and we can have our little choose my tribe. But either way, I love you guys so, so much. So this week's episode is going to be based on the grooming. Man, you guys were really tripping out about that. I got so many messages asking me all kinds of questions. And like I told you guys there, I promise we will get to the good stuff soon. So this episode in particular is going to be taking you down the rabbit hole from like 93 till about 2008. So I think it's fair to start with how I got into the music industry. So first and foremost, my dad has been a musician all of my life. I've been surrounded by music since I was a baby. I can't ever remember anything ever like about my dad without him having a guitar like straight up it, it, till this day okay till this day <laughs> and um at some point he got into a band and I think that was like back in 1990 where uh there was a a female vocalist who her name is Rosa which I love her so much she is still my tia uh by heart uh, super talented, beautiful woman, gorgeous voice, just all the way, just a powerhouse. So she used to do backup vocals for different artists. I don't feel like I'm at liberty to say who she worked with, but let's just say that these are Grammy people. And so at some point, um, she and I got really close because of my other tia, my tia Liz, and um, I was, you know, tagging along and stuff while they were running errands and she had to go pick up a, a check or something like that at a at a uh, a studio and this was I think in like 1993 now let me explain to you how my character was I was a very good kid very very uh strict parents I was not allowed to do much of anything because I think I had mentioned this to you guys before, but like my sister had made a few mistakes when she was younger. So they just had me like really, really strict and I wasn't allowed to do shit. So when I got out with my aunts, I acted a fool. So I was smoking cigarettes. I was drinking from time to time. I was just, I was just wild. I was a tagger. I didn't care. I just had that little attitude, you know, when I was free. Not while I was with my parents, okay? I was a little two-faced at that point. And so I went to the studio and I remember distinctly like it was somewhere in like off of like Normandy or something like that. And what happened was we pulled up and there was just this big ass line around the building and it was just a bunch of girls and they kept coming in and what I didn't know at the time was that they were auditioning and so at this time and I don't even know that I could even say the name of the band that I was in damn damn it I should have looked that shit up anyway it was a band of six females the contest rules were you had to be 18 and over you had to 
sing any of the three songs that they had chosen for you or whatever from that previous album because this like the specific band um was already out but they got rid of most of the girls so they were trying to remake this band right so whatever i walk in uh with my aunt uh, my both of my aunts and I sit down on the couch and girls are coming in and out and they're singing and some of them were just shit and some of them were like okay they were good but he was looking for a specific type so again I have nothing to do with this contest I'm just sitting there and somewhere from here to there I don't know like his personality was just something very unique he definitely 1000% was a male chauvinistic pig. Mm-hmm, he was. And um, I think he had asked me to make him a coffee. Something like that. He asked me to make him a coffee and I was like, you, why don't you do it? Like, I don't, I've never been here. I'm a guest. Like, why are you asking me to make you a coffee? Uh, coffee? And he was like, oh, you little shit. Like, man, you have a bad attitude. And I'm like, well, I'm a guest in your house. Why are you making me do things? And he thought it was the funniest thing. And he was making fun of me because, you know, I was very little at the time. I was very petite. So he called me a shrimp at first, I think. And then he called me Peewee. And ever since then, that name kind of stuck with me. So whatever. Fast forward. Girls are coming in and out. We're sitting there. He has like bubble wrap, um, you know, like for packaging and he's just popping and popping away. And I'm just like, what the fuck is up with this guy, dude? Like, he's kind of weird. And he was already over the whole thing because, like I said, these are all tryouts. And uh, he was like, did you like any of them? And I was like, no, they all sound like dog shit. And he starts laughing. He's like, what, you think you could do better? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, then try it. So then I went into the room. And I sang a little piece of the song. And guess what? Just like that, I got the spot. But he had no idea how old I was. Not at that time. I'm sure he had an, I'm sure he had an idea, but he didn't give a fuck. And because he worked with my aunt, I'm sure he already felt like ah, I could weasel my way through this situation. So, okay, needless to say, he needed to speak to my parents. I can't really recall how all that went down, but I do remember like it was so fast. The whole thing was so fast. Like they were trying to get this girl group in a matter of like not even a month because the following month we were going to do a tour <clears throat> legit for the like throughout the United States. It was so quick. It really was so fast. So whatever. Fast forward. My parents uh, came down to the studio and spoke with him and they got the feel of him and how unique and odd he was. And they ended up discussing how this was going to work out because I was still in high school. Um, they decided to sign over a guardianship, temporary guardianship at the time for me. Um, he did the whole song and dance that he's like, look, I'm a famous person and this is who I work for and this is what I do. And he did. He worked with all those stars. I had, I, I, when I was in the room recording and stuff, I seen all the albums. I seen all the people that he worked with. And I remembered those records because my grandma had those records. And my parents were familiar with that. And they're like, damn, how in the hell did this happen? Now, mind you, my Spanish was horrible. It was horrible. Although that was my first language, once I got into school, I didn't want to speak Spanish anymore. But my parents were really big on us speaking Spanish in the house. But it's still, I don't know. I just, I just didn't. It was really bad. So they used to call me a pocha. Pocha is really not a good word, okay? <laughs> but um, at, that, at that time, nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. So they start to discuss everything and how we're going to do things. So then they said, all right, well, we'll do traveling studies. So she has to finish high school. She has to finish everything that she's doing. I'll have a, a basically a teacher everywhere I go every single week. And then um, they made it very clear that they did not want me around 
any drugs and alcohol. I was not allowed to go out. I had to be in bed by a certain time, depending on what the schedule was like. And so for me at that time, I just kind of wanted to get the hell out. It was too much. You know what I mean? Like I, I had to live at their expectations because of what was going on at home. And my parents are wonderful. Okay, please don't get the idea that my parents are not good people. I love my mom and my dad. They are my world. But at that time, they really did not understand the damage that they were doing to me by trying to hmm, keep me on lockdown. You know, I just wanted to be free. My sister had just had her kid. Uh, I was tired of babysitting. <laughs> she was young, you know. She'd be sneaking out of the house and leaving him in my bed. And I'd just be like, what the fuck? I, now I have to make a bottle, you know. Like, it was just a lot for me. And so, uh, they all decided that, yes, that I was going to go on tour. So, I did. And so, every other day, we would have to drive to L.A., and uh, go to the studio and I had rehearsals I had a vocal coach I had a choreographer and then I hadn't met all the girls yet there was only one girl and I wish I can say her name but she's an actress now and she's kind of out there so I don't want to I don't want to put her out there like that because I know she tried to run away from that shit too so uh no I'm not gonna even make up a fucking name because knowing me I'm gonna I'm gonna slip so anyways this this girl was one of the girls that was from the last band she was actually the only surviving one that did not get taken out of the band so she was very beautiful tall she had boobs she had hips she was a she was a you know she was older she, I think, was, I want to say 18, 19, maybe, something like that. And uh, and I was a kid. And so when they discussed how old I was, it was made very clear that I was not supposed to say shit. I wasn't supposed to say that I was only 14. I was going to be 15. So, yeah, that's a really big thing, okay? <laughs> and... Of course, the, the the rest of the band members knew, and you know everybody had a signed paper saying that they were they were not going to release that information because I can get in trouble. They can get in trouble. And I remember when I met the rest of the girls, I just kind of was like, "What the fuck?" Because all I listened to was oldies and deep house, and I would go to like raves and stuff like that, like you know, like backyard boogies, you know, of course not with permission because I had to sneak out. Um, but I just, uh, was not into any of that stuff. So any of this, the Spanish music that was, you know, being given to us, I was just like, ew, like just ew, like straight up. And, uh, when I saw the costumes, I was mortified. I didn't know what to think, but anyway, so I met the rest of the girls. All of them spoke Spanish. Not one of them spoke English except for that one singer from the the previous uh, band. And so I became very close with her. She was very hesitant about me at first. I didn't know why, but later on I found out why. And um, I started to notice that my producer and this young lady were very, very close. Now, mind you, my producer at the time was probably at that time, fudge, I want to say he was like in his late 50s. Can't remember. She's like 18 or 19, okay? Just keep that in mind. And so they were always together, discussing stuff, deciding stuff, whatever, whatever it was. And, um, you know what? No, no. She had to have been a little bit. No, she was older. I think at that time she was probably 20. De miento. She had to have been 20 because she had been in the band for a very long time. So they had already been in cahoots since she was about 18, 17 or 18. That's what it was. We'll get 
to that later, okay? That there's more on that. So I met the rest of the girls and they were all completely, completely different. Two of them were super sweet. One of them was a dingbat and the other one was a former stripper. And so again, you could only imagine where my brain is going. I'm not quite understanding. I understand everything that they're saying in Spanish, but I'm not able to really communicate the way I want to. And right off the bat, I was already being made fun of. I was teased because I was little, because I was short, because I was skinny, and because I did not speak proper Spanish. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind. Uh, eventually with time we all started getting very close I started teaching them English you know you 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 start to create relationships with people when you're on tour I mean we lived in a tour van for a very long time we traveled constantly I don't even know how the hell I did it I don't but it was a very interesting ride needless to say we traveled all the United States like legit, I had a big ass map on my wall at home, <gasps> excuse me, and my mom got me a bunch of little pins with the, with the big balls, you know, on the, on the tip of it, and I would mark where I've been, and eventually, whenever I would repeat wherever I had traveled to before, I would change the color, and that would let me know how many times I went. It was a lot of fun. That was definitely fun for me, experiencing different places, waking up in different places, seeing the different colors of trees and the grass and the flowers and the animals and the people. And let me tell you, I got to experience a lot of racism, like a whole lot. And again, I'm a little feisty tamales, so you could only imagine I was always popping off. Um, <laughs> that I think is when I learned how diverse the Latino world is because we all were raised in different places. Like one was from like Acapulco, another one was from like Baja California, another one was from like Zacatecas and the other one was from shit like Michoacan or something like that and here I'm from La Puente hi <laughs> so not everything was bad okay I have to put that out there not everything was bad there was a lot of really funny wonderful experiences but at the same time like looking back I'm like what the hell was going on how could I have been through that as a kid how okay so let's see one of the first things that I remember is that it was a very difficult thing for me to put on this costume. Let me explain how I got into this costume and what we had to do. Number one, my parents were very strict. I was not allowed to wear mini skirts or little shorts or show my legs anything like, you know, above my knees. It wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. My bras were never any fancy whatsoever. They were all cotton. My chonis tambien, all cotton. You know, I, I was a little girl. I was, I was a little girl. I didn't ever wear a fucking thong. You know what I'm saying? I remember asking my mom for, for, for like skimpy underwear one, one time and she was like, ni sabes como lavar tu pinche nalga. And I'm just like, yes, I do, mom. I know how to wash my butt. But it was always that thought. <laughs> it was always that thought like, oh, okay, like those types of skimpy stuff is like for like way older women. Okay. So again, at this point now I'm 15 and I'm, I, I go to the studio and they're like, okay, you guys, the seamstress is going to take, you know, measurements and blah, blah, blah. And no one really explained to me what the costumes were going to look like because remember, I didn't join the contest knowing what was going on. I just happened to win because I had a good voice. So when we got the packages of, uh, of the outfits, I seen these, this, this long box 
and that was the first thing that I opened up and I opened it and it was these pair of big old fucking long ass white heel uh, 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 boots white heeled boots the heel itself I think was three to four inches tall something like that maybe three and a half inches tall okay never wore heels heels in my life never did and the boots reminded me of like pretty woman you know <laughs> with Julia Roberts yeah that kind of shit all the way up to my thighs and then I see these little bags and I'm you know all the girls were like oh mira 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 and they're so excited and I'm just like oh, this is, is this my underwear little velvet shorts tiny little velvet shorts high-waisted with this jeweled selena bra or should i say madonna i shouldn't even say selena more madonna bra with like different like sequins and jewels and gems and stuff and these little like bolero kind of little jackets it's like a I don't know how to say it in English, but it's like a little, a little short sleeve, little jacket. We're real tiny. And it, it was like underneath like your, your bra line. Right. And that was it. And I'm like, no, there's no fucking way. And I remember crying because I thought I was going to get in trouble. So, and then I had to call up my mom and I told her and my mom was so upset and then she talked to my producer and he's like just come down here and and look at the stuff so then they had to travel and they seen and they were not happy about it and then finally I don't know what they talked about they must have discussed some shit you know about money or I don't know but he somehow he convinced them and then my mom was like it's okay it's just for work just you can take it off right after okay and I'm like okay fine and so we go and we try on this stuff and I just felt so uncomfortable you guys I was not prepared emotionally it went away every it went against everything that my mom and my dad were teaching me so I was really confused and then it got to the point of the undergarments so I was just like okay so now what's so I remember putting on my regular calzones and you could see the the my choni line because the, the shorts were so short and they're like you're gonna have to wear a tanga <laughs> and I was crying I didn't want to wear a thong I didn't want to and so um one of the ladies was like okay mija we'll get you some bikini underwear and I'm like okay like I remember I was just mortified and then we had to go get some fishnets. And I thought that fishnets were for sexy time. I mean, that's how people explained it. I didn't know much about sex whatsoever because I wasn't taught anything. I just heard it from the homies, you know what I'm saying? But I remember seeing like pictures on flyers of like go-go dancers and they'd be wearing that kind of stuff. And my mom would get her hands on it and she's like, that's, that's for sex. Why are they wearing that? So... Now I'm like super duper confused and we went to like Playmates, which was somewhere like in Hollywood and we went in there and I was like, oh my God, like it was cool. I was excited because I was like, oh my God, like this is what older women do. Like, what am I doing here? And even the salesperson was like, she's a child. Like, what is she doing here? And they're like, we're just getting this or whatever, we're just getting that. So and then they got me a pair of like uh, really tight fishnets, but like the good quality kind, not the kind that you get at the Halloween store, but like the real elastic ones for dancers. And I had to wear, like I said, my little bikini underwear. And then I had to wear a nude pair of uh, nylons. And then I had to put on the fishnet tights on top of that. And then I had to put on the little velvet shorts that would practically go up my ass but I was covered you couldn't see anything you know because I was I, I was I was stacking I had all kinds of tights the bra well I was flat no tenia nada de chichi I was tiny tiny little thing so we had to put socks and that was the first time I learned how to stuff my bra 
And, um, and then because I had no shape, because I was a little girl, the girls would tell me, you need to start waist training. But they would tell me all this stuff in Spanish, right? You got to start waist training. Okay, well, how do you do that? Do you guys remember? Only my older cats are going to remember this. Remember back in the Madonna days, those big ass thick belts? Like they were super big, like maybe like the width of your hand. And I remember um, one of the girls gave me one of her extra belts and we would sleep with those things at the very, and we would like burn a little hole for an extra notch in the belt and we would sleep with them. And so for many, 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 many years, I cinched my waist. Now that's going to be a whole other story. Okay. A whole other story. But um, for any of my youngsters that are listening to this, please be careful. Don't be doing that shit. You're going to shift your organs and you're going to end up with a big old fucking panza at the bottom. So whatever. We'll talk about that later. So there I was and now I'm waist training. And I'm still really confused. And I'm kind of like, okay, like, am I, am I trying to look sexy here? Because I don't know what sexy is. And... um the girls would tell me, no, walk like this and walk like that and walk like this. And then my producer was like, you know what? Like you guys don't know half the shit you're doing because one of them was a stripper and the other one was really fast paced with her boyfriend. And then the other two were well endowed, but they were really like innocent. And the other one, like I said, she was always with my producer and she was just fast paced all the way around. So I didn't know where to go. So eventually he ended up getting us, uh, uh, what is it called? He took us to classes for etiquette. So we started taking etiquette classes and we were taught how to sit down, how to eat with what utensils to eat with. When do you speak? <laughs> when to leave a room, how to excuse yourself how to enter a room, how to greet people, how to shake their hands, like all that shit. And then we had like scripts, right? And because I was a child, I was really like watched after a lot. And I made a lot of mistakes because I was a kid. And so I don't know. I would like be sitting there and I just burp and then they'd be like, <gasps> like it was the end of the world. No seas sucia. Why are you doing that? That's bad manners, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, So you could only imagine what my poor little confuzzled head was thinking. I was confused and puzzled at the same time, confuzzled. And it was a whole lot of like retraining, a whole lot. My whole world had been shifted upside down. I didn't know half the shit, honestly. And then, of course, back in those days, it was like writing letters. We didn't have cell phones, not like the way it is now. It was landlines. Uh, computer, I think it was like AOL or some bullshit like that. I don't fucking know. But I wasn't even onto social media anyway. And so I would write to my friends and during this time that I'm doing etiquette classes and trying to learn how to be a little mujercita, a little lady, my friends are writing me letters and telling me what's going on. They're going to school dances. They got boyfriends. Um, one of my friends even got pregnant. Um, at this point, I think I'm what, 16 years old. Yeah, and she got pregnant and I'm just like, whoa. And, and my little fantasy head was like, oh, well, when can I get pregnant? <laughs> and she would send me pictures of her belly and I missed the baby shower. And then other friends were like going through some other stuff. And I just felt like I was missing out on a whole other world. I didn't get to experience all that the school fights and all that crap, you know? I was just too busy trying to figure out what fork went to what. 
So anywho, um, once we started doing the whole performing thing, like the choreo the choreography or whatever, that was a whole nother experience in itself. Um, that was a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed dancing. It was very, um, what is it called? Um, it was hard to be able to sing and to dance at the same time. Um, they had us working out as well. You could only imagine, like I said, our, the schedules were packed. It was always something. And then, okay, so let's just fast forward to like rehearsals with the whole band. So then at this point, now I know the girls, we're spending lots of time together, we're getting to know each other, the secrets are starting to pour in, you know, that kind of stuff. But they're still very mindful and very cautious with the, what they were telling me, because remember, I'm still a child. But then now we're meeting the band members. The band members were a whole nother world in itself. I can't really recall their names which is so sad I guess it's just age or maybe I just didn't care I don't know but there was only one guy that I really liked and he was super sweet he was always very kind to me he protected me a lot he treated me like I was his kid and there was one guy that I referred to as Rascabuela now this is still a really funny story to tell amongst my family and my close ones from back in the days, because let me just tell you the story. Let me describe Rascabuela to you. Are you familiar with Los Bukis? <laughs> <laughs> well, the early Bukis had like a curly mullet. And that's what Ras Rascabuela looked like. like. He tried to totally be a Buki. He used to have these disgusting leather pants that he would always wear he always wear these leather pants he thought he was the shit he had these pointy boots black boots he wore black everything and he would wear like sometimes he'd wear like a v-neck a white v-neck shirt and he was kind of like stout he he was like bigger at the top and smaller at the bottom and he would wear a leather jacket and he was like real morenito, like he was just like like dark darker toned or whatever. Um, I don't remember where he was from, but um, oh, and then he had uh the George Michael earring, you know the cross. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Even thinking about him is making me fucking cringe. And he always smelled. He just smelled, and I didn't realize back then that it was just probably his balls. I don't know, because he, he never used to wear chonies, and I remember that he didn't because the guys would make fun of him, and they would say, Andale, póngate pong, unos uh, uh, pares de calzones, no seas cochino. And so I remember hearing them say, put on, put on some underwear, and he's like, ah, I don't have to. I don't have to. But he had the gnarliest attitude. It was just horrible. Not gnarly in a good way. Gnarly in a bad way. He just thought he, thought he was so cocky. He was the shit. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was the... Was he a trumpet player? I don't remember. Anyway, he did not like me. At first, he thought, he thought I was, you know, free game. He was very perverted and he would tell me, Oh, Piwi, que bonita te miras, mira, oh, tu pelo, your hair, oh... Peewee, look at you. Oh, wow, your little body. And then it just, it really made me cringe. Now, here's just another side note for another story at another time. But I was molested. And I was molested by my mom's uh, younger brother. Okay, again, that's a whole other episode. So I was already in, the very de in a very defensive kind of place. Do you know what I'm saying? Because all that stuff happened to me at a younger age. And I was a virgin at this time. Um, and when I say virgin, it's because, you know, whatever happened to me was not by choice. So by my, by my choice, I was still a virgin. And so 
I just knew that it was wrong because my mom and my dad would be like, don't ever let nobody touch you in your privates and don't let ever let anybody do this to you and that to you. And so I knew that that kind of language was bad. And so he used to tell me stuff. And then finally one day I just had it. And I just told him, can you just shut up? And he was like, malagradecida. And he was just like telling me that I was just like, like a like I had no manners, you know, and then I would hear him talking shit, or we would be in the tour bus, and it was like we would alternate who can listen to like what songs, what music, or whatever. So let's just say, I don't know, the the drive was like five hours or something like that, and during that time we would split up uh, music time. So one girl would play Selena, another girl would play. Graciela Beltran and then so on and so forth and then I would play um at that time I think it was Michelle at or Millie Vanilli <laughs> and we would take our tapes our little fucking tapes and so he he would always talk shit ay esta pocha you know this white girl this 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 little this little girl, she don't got no good taste in music. And why do we got to listen to this crap? And he would just talk shit. And then the other guys would be like, yeah, 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 callete, callete. Like, leave her alone. She's a little girl. Shut up. Like, fucking stop. And he would just always talk shit. And so after so many months of working with him and touring with him, because this tour was for about a year, okay? Like, in between time, we would stop and we'd go back to... Cali but then we would take off again and we would go all over like legit all the United States we we hit everything and um I just collected a lot of like information from him I just got so fed up and then he always had this he had this tendency to scratch his balls all the time because he was wearing those leather pants and so he would scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch. I'm just like, oh my God. And then he would try to shake people's hands and he would open the doors and it's just, it was just nasty. So finally one day we had a flat tire and we all had to get off the bus and we were all cranky because it was hot. And I don't know what it was that bothered him, but I think, um, I had like a little security blanket. I had a, a, a Snoopy stuffed animal that I would carry with me all the time. I'm telling you, I was a little girl, okay? And I jumped off the bus with it and he made a comment and he said something like, why are you trying to play the part like you're so innocent? You're not a little girl. Why are you running around with a doll? And I don't know what it was. I was very sensitive that day. I was missing my mom and my dad and I just, I don't know. I just felt very sad and so I started crying. And he's like, oh, God, all of a sudden now, and all this is in Spanish, okay? Oh, God, all, all of a sudden she's acting so sensitive and blah, blah, blah. And I had not gone off on anybody at this point. I had not said shit to nobody. I was still real cool. Yes, I had a little mouth with the girls, but it was all in fun. And so finally I said, Callate, pinche rascahuela. Now, for my gringos out there, a rascahuela is a scratch and sniff. <laughs> He was so pissed off. Oh my God. He could not get over the fact that I fucking called him a scratch and sniff. But y'all, I was so sick of him and he smelled like hot ass. I was done. And the faces you should have seen the whole group, they were laughing so hard. And from that point on, he had the name of Rascahuela and he hated me. And... Whatever, I'll tell you some late, some shit later on down the line or whatever. But from that point, he didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want to look at me. He didn't want to sit next to me. He didn't want to pass by me. I just did not exist. He, I was on his shit list. And it worked. So that was the first time I actually learned how to stand up for myself. How that happened, I don't even know. But anyway, we would go on these... Uh, these tours and uh, the, the shows themselves were a lot of fun. I remember a lot of times just 
we'd be driving for a long time and we only had like maybe 20 minutes just to hurry up and like decompress and to stretch and do what we had to do and get into our outfits and then we would run on stage and we would perform and then we had to hurry up and run off stage and then we would have to go to the next town it was a lot of running around so either you're resting for many hours and you're restless because you were resting too much or you didn't have enough time to rest and you were busy doing something else so <laughs> there was a lot of um things that went on uh some of the clubs that we went to were were obviously male dominated and the girls that would go to these events were a lot of skimpy stuff and so automatically because there's alcohol involved and these were like 18 and over clubs 21 and over clubs i'm sure that the people that saw me on stage probably assumed like with everybody else okay this girl has to be 18 and over she can't be that young i had a lot of people that would come up to me and would try to hook up with me or try to give me their number or harass me or say vulgarities or whatever so then instead of being able to be free because <clears throat> remember my parents had told uh, Papa Smurf which is my producer they told Papa Smurf to basically keep me indoors to not have me around any of this stuff but of course he didn't listen to any of that he was just like you're a good girl you you know better just you know run around but don't don't run free and um when it got so bad because these disgusting ass older men kept hounding me i was forced to stay in the tour bus and then i had a bodyguard that would stand right there in front of the door just to make sure that nobody can come in not that i couldn't come out but that nobody can come in and that also continued for the hotels and then we had little groupies and stuff and i had a few young guys that would follow me um and follow the 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 bus and stuff and and j just to follow the shows basically and they would bring me flowers and roses and i'm just like what the fuck is this like i had no idea i didn't know you know what i mean like how how do you i i don't i didn't know how to receive all that so i was trained again like i told you we were scripted to say thank you and then we would give them a hug and if they wanted to give us a kiss on the cheek they we were allowed like that was allowed and I didn't want to. And for a lot of times, it was very uncomfortable. So then finally, I was, I was telling the producer, I was just like, I don't want anybody to touch me. Like, can't I just give them my hand? And if they want to kiss my hand, they can kiss my hand. And he's like, yes, peewee, whatever you want. So then instead of like getting a hug, I I just like throw my hand out in the air and right in front of them. And then automatically they would look at it and they would grab it. And then they would say, ¿Te puedo dar un besito? Can I give you a kiss? And I said, yeah, you can kiss my hand. And they'd give me sloppy saliva kisses on my hand. It was disgusting. It really was fucking nasty. So I experienced a lot of that kind of crap. And then as years went by, um it got worse and so i remember one specific time it was like i don't know like the awards or something and during the awards time um you get new artists and they would have these conference things with different producers from the record label and they would announce their new artists and we would do shows for them and just so that everybody can see the upcoming artists right because remember this band already existed previously but now it's a whole new set of girls and stuff and so we kind of tried to jazz it up a little bit different because it used to be quebraditas yeah i know i let it i let it out it was it was a girl quebradita band and me and one of the other girls that was from uh from baja california we ended up doing like a, a duo and we would sing like mariachi stuff and we had conjuntos with us and it was super cool but we would do harmonizing with each other and so it was a hit needless to say it was it was great it was great and um 
you know, I didn't look like the rest of the girls. You can totally tell that I was from here. Um, and just because of the style, because of the way I had my hair, because the way I would do my makeup, the way I would talk, my mannerisms, all that stuff or whatever. So when we came back down over here to, to do this announcement of the, the new artists, they put all of us in like one auditorium kind of place. And so we had a chance to mingle with the other artists. Some of them were conceited. They didn't want to talk to nobody. Some of them were super sweet. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they wanted to talk to other people because they were just excited as we were. We, were, we weren't even excited because the first thing we started with was the tour. It, it wasn't just a gradual progression. It was just like, bam, right in your face, get on stage, perform, do what you got to do. And now all of a sudden, now we're new artists. It was, it was backwards. And I remember that night was the first time that I had ever experienced um, true uh, male chauvinism, a sexism, uh, kind of, I guess I want to say pedophilia. Um, it was very interesting. It was almost like a meat market. And I remember at the time feeling very edgy, very uncomfortable because these older men in suits were just like looking at all of us and looking up and down and licking their lips and winking and the ballsy ones would come up to us and be like, ay, hermosa, oh my God, and oh, you smell so good and you smell... You smell so fresh. And I remember one man telling me that. He hugged me and he was like, you smell new. And I just looked at him like, what? And the first thing that came out of my mouth, I said, what the fuck? And he looked at me and he's like, grossera. Now, now he turned that narrative on me. How are you going to tell? How is a... 30-something-year-old man, a 40-something-year-old man going to tell a 16-year-old, you smell new. What do you think she's going to say? Oh, thank you. Do I smell like a new car? Do you want to take a ride? Like, what do you think I'm going to fucking say? So I said, what the fuck? And he ended up telling me, grossera. Grossera means like bad-mouthed, like no manners like I don't know how to explain it correctly but it's it's something on the lines of that and then this guy went and he ran back to my producer and he's like you know if you're going to be having new artists you should probably keep them on check and you know train them better and my producer was like I don't know what you're talking about and he's like this little girl right here she told me what the fuck and he said what did you do? He's like, what do you mean? What did I do? It doesn't matter what I did. She shouldn't be talking to me like that. And he says, no, no, she's, she's a minor just to put it out there. She's a minor. And then he was like, whatever. And he walked off. And that was the first time that I ever heard my producer actually acknowledge that I was a minor. And then Another man came up to me and he was like, Ay, que bonita, hermosa. And oh, your voice is so beautiful. And oh my God, let me see. Do a little spin for me. Can you imagine? 16 years old. Older, older men. Some of these men were like, even in their 70s. Well-known men. Doing this to me. Parading me around. Look at this Look at this little girl. Look at this beautiful young lady. Look at her. Look at her. Wow, look at her skin. Oh, your skin is so soft. Look at that. Not a blemish on your face. You knew life like that. Talking about me like that. You guys, I was shaking in my boots, but I was also told by my producer that you don't show no fear. And... I couldn't take it anymore after, I don't know, four, four room keys that were given to me. One man just came up to me and handed me his key and he goes, I'll see you later. And he smacked me in my ass. And I said, I turned around like, what the fuck was that? And then I ran to my producer 
And I told him and he just snatched the key out of my hand and he's like, who was that? And I said him and he goes, okay, I'll take care of that. Then another one comes up to me and he's like, what are you doing later tonight? And I said, I'm going straight to my room, to my producer, and we're going to, you know, call it a night. He goes, oh, you're going to go to your producer's room? I said, no, I'm, we're going to be, and I didn't even know how to answer that question because that's not what I meant. I was just saying, basically, I'm going home, bitch. Like, you know, but he tried to make it seem like something else and he implied. And then he's like, well, if you decide to get out, here's my key. And then I looked at him and I said, another one. He goes, what do you mean another one? I said, well, I just got another key from someone else. He goes, well, you should take this key. Keep this one. And he curls it in my hand. And then he kisses my knuckles and I just kind of pulled away. But then I went back to my producer, reported it again, and then it, it just continued. Finally, one of them was like, you should come back to my room. I can take you places. I can teach you things that you've never learned before. I can get you to, uh, um, you know, I can get you paid more. And he's talking to me like this. And, and by that time, I was already so fed up. I was like, oh, yeah, really? Like, how? And he was like, well, you'll see. Just come to my room and we'll discuss a little bit more. And then finally, I went back to my producer again and I told him what was going on. And he was like, OK, show me who. And I mentioned this in the last episode where I went over there and my producer was just like, just st stay there with me and answer questions or whatever. And the guy was like, oh, hey. And he's like, well, why did you give her this? And he goes, oh, I just wanted to talk business. And he's like, she's a minor. And if you don't want to get this, if you don't want this information to get out, I highly suggest that you pay me the fee of such and such amount of money. He's like, are you bribing me? He's like, yes. And he's like, now, why would you do something like that? And he goes, because you have a past. So I'll be expecting that money. Here's my room. Here's my room number. And he wrote it on a little card or something. And then he was like, I'll, I'll see you there later. And he, the guy just looked at me and he was just like, he just shook his head like it was all my fault. So then from that point on, um, after that whole disgusting meat market ordeal, we went back to the room, all of us, and we discussed that from this point forward, we were going to release that I was, in fact, at that time, uh, just turning 18. So I was still a minor. I wasn't. I wasn't 18. I was barely going to turn 17. But he was going to say that I was just turning 18. And I was still a minor. And it was better that way because too many people were getting out of line. It was just too much. So and then... It became this very stressful thing because I wanted to tell my mom. I wanted to tell my parents, but I knew that if I told them this stuff that they were probably going to make me quit the band. And at this point, I was making such great money. And I just, I was stuck in this life. And I was happy with making my family proud. It made me happy to see them happy because they were always bragging about me. And, you know, we would have the autograph pictures and stuff and I'd be signing stuff for their, you know, for people around us. And they got to go to different shows and they got to meet different artists and they got to see different artists because they were backstage with me and they were there around other people from like novelas and announcers. And it was just, it was, that's just the way it was. So I learned how to keep my mouth shut. And I experienced a whole lot of mess. And that's not even the worst part. Later on, I mean, so many years being in this band, I got to learn a lot of things. Um, my producer was very good at training me how to use my power as a woman and how to manipulate situations, how to talk to people, how to turn conversations around if someone was trying to antagonize me. And he used that whole tactic of, oh, are you sure you don't want, you don't want this to get out? You're going to have to pay me a fee of such and such. And um, it just, the, my world became very 
dirty, very tainted. I started to hate men because of this situation. And like I said, it was a very difficult situation because I would hear other stories. At one point, I decided to start asking other artists their experiences. And a lot of them shared with me that they were indeed pimped out to other bigger producers, labels, and that they would have sex with them. And I would ask their ages and they were doing this shit at the age that I was at, 15 or 16 years old, even men. I remember talking to one of the new upcoming artists and he told me all kinds of stuff. And, you know, in the Latino community, you know, they view men as a certain way, like a men should be chauvinistic. They should be having a lot of women. And so they would hire prostitutes or escorts and they would send them to his room. And he was gay. He didn't want to be with these people. And it hurt him, but he had to because it was going to tarnish his reputation. Do you get what I'm saying? And he was young too. The only wonderful thing about my producer was that he was like, you better stay a virgin. You better stay a virgin. Don't you ever give it up. Don't you ever do any of that stuff. Don't be stupid. The moment that you open up your legs, that's it. Your value is gone. That's how he used to tell me. So it was hard because all my life, my mom and my dad were like, you stay a virgin. You don't sleep with anybody until you're going to get married. Don't do it. My mom and my dad met when they were in junior high. And my mom used to copy off of my dad's homework. <laughs> and that's how they met. And they continued to be with each other throughout high school. And then they decided to get married after high school. And then they planned my sister. And then five years later, they planned me. And then five years, five years later, they planned my brother. You get what I'm saying? And so you could only imagine the kind of life that I had where... Okay, you got to get a job. Okay, you got to finish school. Okay, there's no way you're going to be gay. You, you have to be with the man. And you're going to get pregnant and have kids and live a normal life and, you know, repeat the cycle. So now that that whole cycle has already been broken because now I'm in the music industry and everything has changed. The formula has changed. Their views have changed a bit because now they're like, okay, well, this is your career. You got to stick with it. I started getting tired. I was really exhausted. I was tired of being a puppet. I was tired of making money for other people. I was tired of having to fight with older men, even older women. Remember I told you about the girl that was in the band with me? It was later brought to my attention that my producer had been grooming, grooming her since she was a child. And you want to know who got her hooked up with him? Her mother. Her mother hooked her own daughter up with this older man. And he later confessed it to me. And he told me that he feels like he made a mistake. And he told me that he didn't want me to go through that. So and then she started having some type of a vendetta towards me. She had a little bit of resentment towards me. She cared for me. I know she did, but she was jealous and she could not understand how it was that I was getting this treatment or extra money or, or, or not extra money, but like, um, advancements because she had to do other, she had to work harder. She had to do other shit to get to that point. And I didn't have to do nothing. But he had already gotten to a point where he was just like, I can't do this to this kid. So it was bittersweet. You know what I mean? So at this point, I think I've shared a lot of stuff with you guys. We're going to continue this journey of uh, 
my music uh, adventures. And for the next episode, I think we'll be talking more about what happened towards the end, um, some other big stuff that I experienced, and then we'll be talking about when I got out and what happened. So stay tuned. I love you guys. Thank you guys for being here with me again. And yeah, to be continued. So until then, like I always say, lávense las colas.